pray real quick. Just because. give it, give him a round of applause. I mean, he's the man. All right. Let's pray real quick. Right before we got going uh, tonight when the doors opened up, uh, everybody had it going. The leadership team had prayed over you guys and uh, pled with the Lord on your behalf. Doors go up and power surges. We lost control of everything, so we're kind of trying to recuperate in the back. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and hit this strong. We're going to beg the Lord to be gracious with us and to protect us uh, in the next half hour or so. And then we will continue on. Uh, as the Lord allows. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for the blessing of this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be here, uh, to be in your house, to be in your presence, Lord, to be uh, with our family at Jersey. I pray that tonight you would be good to us, that you would be protective of us, that you would uh, keep us uh, uh, focused on what you would have for us, Lord. I pray that tonight you would use uh, those in this room uh, in a very special way, to have a very special experience with you, Lord. Protect us from anything that would distract us, and may we see you in a new and fresh way. We love you, King Jesus, and we pray that you will help us love you more. Uh, we need your help. It's all for the blessing and the beauty of your name that we pray. Amen. All right. Well, projector, is it? Just, is, is that a thumbs up? Is it up? Is it sideways? Okay. You guys do it, and you just call out if you got something, all right? Uh, we are starting a brand new series called Love Well. Now, now I just want to say this. This is not, uh, this is not pre-planned because it's Valentine's Day, and I'm going to get you a cool formula so that uh, come Saturday or whenever Valentine's Day is, you have someone that is significant that wasn't significant before. That's not exactly what we're doing here, but I do just want to ask how many of you were with us last year about this time when we started the Jesus is Better series or came in at some point in the middle of the Jesus is Better series? All right. Now, 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 real quick, how many of you had an, uh, had an experience with the Lord during that time where uh, he spoke to you in just some way, whether you're a believer uh, or not at the time? God just kind of used that time in the youth group uh, to really bless your soul. How many of you had an experience like that where God just kind of spoke to you in a new and fresh way? All right, awesome. So if I could just remind you briefly as we get going here, uh, the Jesus is Better series was all about our joy being connected to God's glory uh, amidst our struggles and amidst our pains and amidst our circumstances. Okay, good. Uh, we, everybody clap. We got the projector. I mean, you can't see it right now, but apparently we got it. Um, the Jesus is Better series was, hey, there it is. So the Jesus is Better series was all about our joy being connected with God's glory, the ultimate purpose of everything, and regardless of our circumstances and our situations, God receives glory in our obedience, and as we are obedient before him, he receives the glory and he increases our joy, and it is one of the most beautiful equations that the word of God presents to us. This week, and for the next, I don't know, 12 weeks after it, we'll be spending time focusing on the love that God has bestowed upon us and the responsibility that we have to share that with others. This next four or five, we're going to spend time really kind of trying to talk about what God has done in us and through us and for us and who God is beyond us. So thing is rolling. I, I, I want to show a video to you uh, where they just kind of do some curbside questioning of random citizens trying to get people's opinions and answers to this question, what is love? And I don't mean the song, the song where it's like, what is love, baby? No Not that one. Watch this video. See what you think.
You don't know. You don't know. People, it's when you actually want to protect someone else's life. Yeah. Not just like, you know. Um, I think love is when you're like actually so infatuated with someone and you like can accept their flaws or If I was walking on a random road and someone stopped me and I was in the presence of Rachel and someone said, what do you think love is? And I said, it's a shared opinion when you kind of like someone. <laughs> we would not walk away holding hands, <laughs> which is exactly what that moron and that young lady did. Um, 
It's a good question, though, don't you think? Don't you think that's a good question? What, what is love? And we talk about it all the time. We discuss the question over and over and over again. We say that we love this and we love that. I would go as far as to say that you probably don't make it through too many days without confessing that you love someone or someone. Is that fair? You walk through the school and you love that handbag or you love those shoes or you love that meal or you love that person or you love that experience or you love that vacation spot or you love that time or you, you, you love a lot of things. Do you agree with that? But if someone just stopped you and asked you, what does it mean to love something or someone, what would you say? How do you respond to that kind of question? So this morning and earlier, uh, pr previously in the week, I was studying and preparing not only just for this sermon, but really for our series. And, and the series is about love, love well, loving well, which is the idea of uh, how do we take what we've been given, this enormous, lavish love of God that he has poured out over us. How do we give that not only back to him, but also east to west in our relationships here, in the family at Jersey, in our families at home, in our schools, in our communities? How do we love people that are different than us? So, so how do we really do it? And not only do it, but how do we do it well? We say things all the time when we're programming events for you guys that we don't want to do anything if we can't do it well. So when we're talking about love, we wanted to do it and to teach it and to talk about it in a way that we would be able to do it well. But before you can do something, don't you need to know what that something is? Don't you have to have some kind of an idea, some kind of grasp around what kind of concept you're actually speaking of? And isn't the love that we talk about different? So, so let me be straight with you. I love meat. I love it. I love meat. I could have, I could have steak and chicken and pork and ba bacon. <laughs> Give me some bacon. Anybody? Amen? I could have some bacon. Now, <laughs> we're all going to die at age 55. Um, I, 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 I love that stuff. That, that stuff tastes great. But, but when I was on the phone last night with my mama, who's in Virginia, and I said, Mama, I love you, I, I was not talking to her exactly like I talk about food. Is that, do you get that? I, I love this graphic. I think that's pretty cool, and blue's my favorite color. That's why it shows up in every graphic that we have. Our graphic designer made this. Bobby, I love that thing, but, but I don't love it like I love you guys. You see how it's different? Sometimes we say that we love something because it's performing in a certain way, or it looks a certain way, or it appeals to us in a certain way. So we, we use this word love to demonstrate a feeling or a preference that we have towards an object or a person. And then sometimes when we say we love something, it goes beyond that. Sometimes we have relationships, and if you're like me, I did it, and I wish I wouldn't, and I think it was dumb that I did, but get in relationships too, too early at my point, for as far as I was concerned, I told too many people that I loved them, and I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know what it meant to, to love another individual that I was interested in, but I would say it because, because I had these feelings inside, and you know, I was nervous, and you got those butterflies, so you're like, obviously, the best thing I could say in this situation is that I love you, and that doesn't always work so well. I was uh, interested in a girl. This is dumb. Don't copy this. I was interested in a girl, and I was, I don't know, 11? Dumb, I was. 
And I don't know, she just gave me the butterflies. So I was like, I was like, you know, I love you so much. And she was like, you're weird, and ran away. But sometimes you do, right? You attach that word to a feeling inside, and, and when you can't describe it with anything else, you just slap that word love on it. Do you, you get me? There's a couple issues that we, that we need to talk about when we're trying to answer the question. If love is based on how something else performs or something else appears, or something else looks, or how it acts, or how it makes us feel, we are in a whole lot of trouble for a whole lot of reasons. Number one, if someone loves you because of how you look, or how you make someone feel, or how you perform, what happens when you don't measure up? If you use this word love and you say, I love this thing, what happens when it stops doing what you wanted it to do that made you say you loved it to begin with? And this doesn't just have to be about boy-girl relationships. We do this with a ton of stuff. Anybody gotten anything for Christmas where you got it, you're like, I love it, and you don't even use it anymore. You don't even have it anymore because it stopped doing what you wanted it to do or something better came out. You know what I mean? So we needed to define this up, not only, not only defining it for practical uses, but we also need to define it in a greater way, in a use that means more than just a video game or a fling or a crush or whatever the case is. When we ask the question, what is love, we really want to narrow down tonight and just look at a firm foundation, seeking to answer it in a very holistic way that prayerfully will build for us a platform that we can kind of use to jump into the entire series. Is that fair enough? So we're looking for a very big and high and deep view of God and his love. And this is what 1 John 4, 8 says. And anyone who does not love does not know God because what? What does this say? What does that say? What does that say? What does that say? Look at your neighbor and say that. Look at your other neighbor and say that. Now, every time, every time that, that I get to this, every time I read this passage, it always kind of perplexes me, and it perplexes me for this reason. Oftentimes, you think about someone who has love for another person. When you think about relationships, think about your closest relationship in your life, someone that you love, a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, somebody in your life that you really love. What are you doing there? You have love in you for another individual, correct? I love my mom. I have love for them. I, I give love to them. I shower love to them. I try to do things that are loving towards them. But it could never be said that I am love. Could that be said of you? Like, I don't know, in my good moments, yeah, but what about when the alarm clock's going off at 6.30? You're like, I love my mom, but what about when mom's like, get out of bed, you loser! You're like, I can't! Are you feeling loving towards that individual? Are you like, in that moment, if I could take a snapshot of your thoughts and your feelings and your soul, would it be summed up as love? Probably not. Probably be kind of hateful. Because we can be pretty grouchy at times, right? We can, we can fail 
the individuals that we love most, hurt the individuals that we love most. We can come up short of the bar for the individuals that we love most. But when it talks about God, it says that God is love. Did you notice only one guy said that on the video? Only one guy responded to the question, what is love? And the only thing he could sum it up with is God. Only one person. People said, it's a feeling. She that little kid said, it's a feeling. I got a big problem because if God is love and that love is based on a feeling, what happens when the feeling changes? If he... If his love for us, if, if, if who he is, his love for us, if it's based on our performance, then what happens when we fail? Have you ever failed before? What happens when you come up short? What happens when you don't meet the bar, when you don't do exactly what you're supposed to do, when you don't perform correctly? How will God view you then? If God's love for us is based on something that we could do, then we are all going to fall miserably short. So when we discuss the idea of God is love, it has to be attached on a foundation that is bigger than just our performance and in a paradigm how we think of love being it looks good, it feels good, it, it makes me happy, so, so I love this. we got to get bigger than that. And the text says that God is love. So I want to things tonight that are just going to help us kind of, I don't know, navigate these waters. There are really three things that we want to do in this series. Number one, we want to help you understand God's intimate love for you and God's intimate loving nature in and of himself in a new and fresh way, in ways you haven't necessarily experienced it before. Number two, we want you to take that love that he has lavished upon you and we want you to share it with him in a relationship that goes both ways so that you are not just a recipient that has received salvation, but you are an individual that constantly has his or her affections stirred for the one that has saved you, that you would continue to go headlong in your relationship with him. And as a result of this north to south relationship being established and grown, you would be able to pour out the overflow of that into the people around you so that your life would be a testimony of the fact that God is love and that he loves us. Is that fair enough? That's what we're trying to do in this series. There are some difficulties in understanding God's love. And we just want to spend some time talking about them tonight. Difficulties understanding that God is love. Number one, people aren't always talking about the God of the Bible. This is what I mean by this. There are an abnormal amount of people that say that they believe in God, and when they are asked about that, they say, well, he makes me happy, or well, he loves me, or I, I prayed a prayer, or, or I, I've, I've had an experience, or, or I, you know, God, I, yeah, there's a God somewhere, and, and I believe in him, and I'm a good person, and, and I know that that God is good, so obviously I'm okay too. But when you hear of the God that we're talking about in 1 John 4, we're not just talking about a God somewhere that is good and happy and makes you good and happy. We're talking about a God that is firmly giving us his word that we would know him clearly and perceive his movements in a manner where we would be able to understand him in ways that we didn't before. When we're talking about the love of God, some people jump on that like they're, like they're in it, like they've known it, like they've experienced it, and they have never come to grips with the idea that God is actually loving in his demeanor. The God of the Bible being loving in his demeanor. 
I grew up in church, but you never had a real experience. You never had a real moment. You never actually repented. You never actually surrendered. Or you haven't done any of those things, and you don't know the God that we are talking about, but you still have this abstract idea that God's good, and he loves. You're not pursuing him. You're not growing in him. You're not learning about him. You're not, none of those things are present. That makes it very difficult. That makes it very, very difficult because if someone over here has a deep understanding of who God is, has the Bible presents him, and they have fallen in love with that God, and you come to talk to someone over here, and you say, man, I love God so much, and that statement is rooted in a firm knowledge of who God is, and someone over here says, yeah, I, I, I love God too. If God loves me, this person over here might not have any idea of the God that you speak of, or vice versa. You understand that? We could use the same language and be talking about something completely different. You could be talking about experience where you have, you have felt God's love and you've interacted with God's love and it has been lavished upon you and you know talk to someone and someone else would use the exact same language but the language that they're using is representing a God that is not founded in scripture and that could be really problematic that could be difficult when you're trying to understand what is meant by God is love people aren't always talking about the same thing they could use the same language it means something completely different number two people like the love part but they dismiss whatever makes them uncomfortable. You get that? This kind of goes with number one. People like the fact that God is love. Tell me about that God. God makes me happy, and, and, and God, he loves me. Oh, that's a good feeling, and, and we're in worship, and, and God's kind of pouring himself out, and, and it's emotional, and yeah, tell me about that God. That God's amazing. I, that's incredible. But what about the God that is holy and just and righteous what about the God that hates sin what about the God that is is ferociously against sin because sin is an assault to the order that he put in place here in the world what about the God that will stand accountable to what about the God that looks over the world and knows us even in our wickedness he knows us what about the God that is well aware of how messy we are and what about the God who has provided one way to him, yet a world rejects it? Do you like that God? That's not so happy. The idea that God is vengeful against sin, the idea that God hates sin, the idea that God doesn't do sin, and we have rebelled against him, we've gone the opposite direction. We like wickedness and sin way more than we would even willingly admit that we do. Like, our hearts enjoy it to an extent we would be embarrassed to tell each other if they knew. It would be embarrassing. And what about the God that, what about the God that, that hates that? You see where you could get some rubs? Because how do we have the right to say, yeah, God is love, I like that, but God is just, I don't like that. So we split them. God is love, I'll take that one, but God is holy, I don't want that part, so we dismiss that. How do you understand the fact that God is love, 
when you have ripped away from him other attributes and other pieces of his nature that are absolutely true, as true as this statement, but you've dismissed them because they make you uncomfortable. That can cause some difficulty in understanding God's love. Number three, there's a misconception that God loves everyone so everyone must be saved. How many of you have ever talked to someone and you said, do you know God or have, have, you, have you ever been to church? Have you, ever, have you ever considered the gospel and they said, no, but I'm a good person. Ever, ever heard anybody say something like that? I'm a good person, so, so I don't need any of that. I'm a good person, so I don't need the truth of God's word. I don't, I don't need to be accountable. I don't need to come up against him because, because I'm, a, I'm a good person. And because I'm a good person and because I try hard and because, because I've, even I'm a church kid, I've grown up in church, I'm a good person. God's got me. But you have refused to actually repent of sin, to confess before him and to plead for salvation. To beg him, to ask him, Lord Jesus, please save my soul. I have sinned. I've walked away that I should not have walked. I trust in you. I know that you died and you rose again. I believe in you. Would you save me? And you've never actually had that kind of experience. But, but there's still a misconception that because God is love, he's just got your back. He's just got you. And so many people will fall on the sword of this lie. They get to the end. There's a passage in the New Testament which is horrifying. And it's literally God is telling us that the day will come when many go before him after their lives. And they say to him, Lord, Lord. And he'll return. I didn't even know you. We're good people. and We tried hard. And we, we did certain things. But you did not repent and believe. You never had your lives changed by this. There's this misconception that because God is love, he's just going to have everybody. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to my Father except through me. That's what Jesus says. The idea that I would ever be able to be good enough or impressive enough so that apart from the gospel, God would look at me and say, hey, hey you're a pretty good guy. You average 23 minutes of prayer a day. You caught church 50 out of 52 weeks a year. You helped at least one person a day. Yeah, you're pretty good. You can come on in. The standard is holiness, and only Christ can provide that for us. Apart from him, there is no other way. But when you talk about God is love, please listen to me. Do not rob him because of your poor understanding. Do not rob him of his right and the truth that he is also just and holy. And that we fall before him in need of a salvation that we can't bring to ourselves. No one will earn this because of themselves. No one will be saved because they were enough. Because we're not. Number four. How does God is love, that statement, fit in with the idea that he is vengeful against sin so who in here is a sinner just curious okay if your hand's not up you just joined the club because you lied lying's a sin it's the idea that when you sin when you when you go against 
what God would have, you're displaying the brokenness within you, the, the, the separation within you, the, the fall within you, that, that now your mind and your heart is programmed in a different way. And before Christ comes within and saves that soul, God is vengeful against your sin. Apart from Christ, you are a sinner and God doesn't look upon sin. Apart from Christ, he has a right to do justice there. And he will. He can't not do justice there. I've used that example with you many times, but we'll go over there once again. What happens if I steal that grandma's purse outside of the store? And then I get caught and I go before the judge. And they got me on video and they got witnesses. What does that judge say? Guilty, not guilty. Guilty. What if the judge was like, you know, you're good, just don't beat up any more grandmas. What would you say? He'd be like, you bum of a judge. Your job is to protect justice. And God is just. He is the just sovereign king. And we've fallen short of that standard. So apart from Christ, you can still take this idea of God is love. And if you pervert it, you might make that seem like, well, God is love, but he doesn't really have to be against sin. I'm a good person. I have more good things than bad things about me. So that's not exactly how God would have it. There was a poll given. 75% of participants said that they would rather call God a nice friend than a king. 75% of people said it would be better to have a loving, nice friend than a sovereign king. And that's how they like to think of him. And Jesus does say he's a friend to those who are saved. But the Bible clearly depicts him as a judge and a king, a sovereign one, not separate from his love, but consistent with his love. Now, I want to give you five truths attached to Scripture as we go into this Love Well series. I want to give you five truths about God's love that prayerfully we can hold on to and remember as we go through this series. Number one, the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. In John 3.35, it says this, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. And in John 14.31, it says, But I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. So, so this is the idea, and we don't want to get too complex here, but our God is three in one, so you've got God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When God the Father sends the Son, the Son speaks and he says, I love my Father. And in this text, the Father has loved the Son. That, that, the, Father has, that the Father has great love for his Son, and that the Son returns that love for his Father. Now this is important because all the time, we like to have a little small view of God and a really big view of ourselves. It's almost as if God needs me in order to be loving. God needs me in order to have love. God, God needs me so that he can have somebody to exercise his love upon. There is a love inside of the Godhead where they love each other and they serve and the son comes up underneath of the father and does the will of the father and a great example of this is the garden of gethsemane right before our lord died and he says what father if there be any other way 
that this task could be accomplished. Please, Father, please. Please, let's go a different way. Why? Because he's sitting under the weight in that moment of our sin. But then the son says, not my will, Father, your will. Why? Because the son loves the father and will be obedient to the father and do all that the father has asked. Isn't that a crazy moment? Isn't that a crazy moment? The the son is about to, he's sitting there, he's literally thinking, I will never sleep again before I die. But your will, Father, because I love you. Because I will do what you have asked me to do. I will walk perfectly under your way. There is a love relationship between the father and the son. So when it says God is love, it means that before the universe ever even existed, there was love between the eternal Godhead. Does that make sense? Number two, God provides life to all of his creation, which is an act of love in and of itself. So let's shake it off. How many of you are breathing right now? All right. How many of you ate food today? How many of you drank water today? How many of you got blood running through your veins right now? Please tell me if you do not, because we will get help in here immediately. You, you have what you no, no one thinks about breathing. Like, I have not thought, unless you've got asthma and you just ran up a couple flights of stairs, maybe then. But, but if, you're, if you're breathing normally, I didn't sit today and think, okay, I need to breathe. I need to get some oxygen in here. I need to breathe. Why don't I think that way? Because it's been provided for me and it's so common. I just know that it's going to be there. I don't have to that. And God does that. The Bible sustains us. He holds us together. He, he's the one that provides all things. So literally, as you breathe in and you breathe out, you're breathing God's provision for you. You're dependent on him. The Bible says that he sits on his throne and the earth is his footstool. You can't provide anything for yourself without him allowing it to do so. And if your heart beats right now, it's because he gives it rhythm. And if you take in oxygen, you spew out carbon dioxide, it's because he allows it to be. Everything relies on his constant to us. Isn't that crazy? Like right now, when you breathe and you breathe out, you're breathing God's providence for your life. And that's an act of love. Matthew 6, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The question is, or the answer is, all things in this world continue to live in rhythm as God provides. And you being the viceroy, you being the human, the capstone, the climax of the creation order, Jesus is saying, I give life, and I give good, and I give provision to all things. And I have special awareness of you, because I created you in my image. His act of love towards creation is a piece of his love in and of itself. God loves this world in spite of the fact that the world hates him. So let's, let's be real. We've all said we've sinned. We've all said we've fallen short. We all, but but let's, get it, let's get it into context. With the idea that God provides everything for you, 
with the idea that we sit here as an act of God's mercy and we don't all know him. There are some of you who, who maybe don't have a relationship with him. You haven't repented. You haven't trusted. And you still are experiencing the provision and God's love for you as he continues to give you an opportunity to live in the world that he's created. And he loves the world even though the world hates him. And you might say, I've never hated God before. But you've sinned. And your act of sin is a statement that at one time or another, there has been hatred in your soul for God's way and a preference toward your own way. At some point in time when I sin, I've got to say it like it is. I would rather have my own way than I would have God's way. I would rather do it my way than I'd rather do it God's way. I'd I'd rather have it the way I want it to be and not the way he wants it to be. But John 3.16, it's not just for beginners. It's for us. And it says that God so loved the world. Like that idea so, I've got that circled and highlighted and starred and checked and like a, a beacon in my Bible because when you read that, it's not just a contained amount of love. He is love poured out on the world. He so loves a people that have act rebelliously in hatred towards him. And he's continued to be long-suffering for us. There's not a single person in this room that has not had hatred in your heart at one point or another for God's way. And God has still been gracious with you. You were the child that ran, and he was the father that even though he had the right to condemn you immediately and stop the whole charade, instead he leaned into you. And he chose to send his son so that those who would believe in him would never perish but have new life in his name. God loves his church. Husbands, loves your, love your wives. Any student in here married? I hope not. Has Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. The Bible says that Christ is the husband and that the church is the bride. It's the idea that has a church, when, when you come into a relationship with Christ, not just the church, but not just this church, but the church, when you come in a relationship with Christ, it's literally you've been adopted into God's family and that Christ loves his bride, the family, the church, that there is a special favor for her, that he adores and that he is gracious and that he intercedes and that he loves the church, the family, collectively, has a unit. Well, he loves me more because I'm better. (laughs) No. He loves his bride. He loves her so much he was willing to do what he did to purchase her freedom. And number five, there is a special love experience for those who are obedient. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There is a certain amount of joy that is to be had in obedience, in all circumstances, and in all situations. Through every temptation, through every sorrow, and through every pain, there is a certain amount of joy to be had for those who walk obediently with the Lord. There's a special experience to be had. So let me me ask you this question. How many of you were here last week with us at the... the, uh, the silent worship and prayer service. How many of you had God speak to you in, in a special way? Just really felt the presence of God as you worship. You lay yourself down. You beg God to come, and he does. All right? 
How many of you ever felt the joy of reading God's word and him showing you something new, something you didn't know about him before? You read it and you're like, man, that's awesome. That's, that's incredible. That, that's a great experience, right? Have you ever prayed before and you've, you've felt God speak to you and, and, and show you something or give you a peace that you didn't have before and it, it was awesome? Anybody ever felt something like that? All right. How many of you have ever come up against temptation and you're like, man, I really want to cave, but I know that Jesus is better than this. So you walk obediently and you come up underneath his way and you find that it actually was better and that God reveals himself to you and gives you strength that you didn't have before to continue to resist and you just find that that's better than giving in and having to deal with the guilt and the shame that comes with the failure of falling to temptation. Anybody ever felt that? There's a special love to be had in remaining under the fountain. It's a series that we just spent. There's a special amount of love and joy to be had, an experience to be felt when you walk obediently. So, I was a really bad kid. Like a really bad kid. I was that kid that parents were like losing hair over every day because they just couldn't get him to do what they wanted him to do. My sister, she was like the golden child, legitimately. I always got in trouble. I had like daily spankings that were just scheduled. It's like 12 o'clock. You're getting a spanking. What did I do? I don't care. I know it was something. When my dad punished me, I knew that he loved me, but it was really hard to see that in the eyes of a 10-year-old boy. You know what I mean? Like you get spanked and you're like, you hate me. Your mom and dad's like, no, we don't. But we must show you the truth. And at the same time, when you're obedient before your mom and dad, when you do what you're supposed to do, and dad says to you, you know what, son, you know what, daughter? Let's go get some ice cream. Or grandma, grandpa, they say, Let, let's, go, let's go grab something. Let's go, let's go do something fun. And there's a reward given for your obedience. Which one do you better see God's love in as far as your joy is concerned and your experience? You getting beat over the pool table? Are you getting to go out and experience an awesome time with your, with your guardian, with the one who watches over you and provides for you and loves you? You see, when you're obedient before God, there is a special experience to be had because you have positioned yourself under the fountain, and under the fountain you get wet. God is love, and he loves you. His love's not dependent upon people. But his love is so outrageously big that we would never be able to comprehend it. So band, why don't you guys come up and play and we'll land this airplane. As they come, why don't you go ahead and put your heads down real quick. The goal of the series is to know God's love. Being empowered and strengthened by him, being able to love him and to bring a heart full of love and affection for him in return. And then out of the overflow of that relationship, being able to love other people. But if we don't understand that God has loved us, or we struggle to wrap our minds around that because we're really performance driven, then we're going we're gonna to have a lot of difficulty in not only loving other people, but really in loving him. Because we're always going to feel like we've got to measure up, like we've got to be something, we've got to meet a certain bar. Instead of lying wholly in Christ's love and using that love to motivate us towards obedience, 
rather than just doing it in our own strength. So, so I want to ask you this, with just your heads down. How many of you ever at one point in time struggled with the idea that God loves you? All right. Put your hands down. How many of you are baffled that God could love you because of what you've done or where you've been or what you've said or who you are inside? All right, that's me. My hand's up. You can't see it, but it is. All right. A couple weeks ago, we asked you to pray that God would put his weight on you. This, this is just, this is what I want to leave you with. You do not earn him, and you have most certainly not done anything to deserve him. But God so loves this world, you specifically. And if you're a Christian, if you know Christ, then my prayer for you in this time is really that you would sit under that, that idea that God loves you. But I'm not good enough. I have a measure. God loves you so much so that he dealt with your sin through Christ so that you could have freedom and righteousness, not your own. So that you could pursue him in a way that you didn't before. God loves you. And, and if you don't know Christ, or you haven't experienced that in an intimate way, the Bible would say that you have hated him, and you've acted against him, and you have sinned against him. But it is still true that God loves you so much so that he crushed his son that you may go free through repentance and belief. This is possible. So, so if you know Christ, my prayer for you tonight as we sing and as we worship and as we pray and as we pray with each other and as we experience the fountain, I just really pray that you'd marvel at the truth that God so loves and if you don't know Christ, or you're struggling with the idea of God loving me, how could God love me? My prayer is that you would find someone in this room, an adult in the back, ladies. Allie is our student, uh, is, our, is our female student disciple. She's incredible. Gentlemen, there's great dudes stretched across the back. I would ask that you go speak to somebody because, because Christ, he did come for you. And the Father does love you, and he has provided a way for you. And upon repentance and belief, it can be experienced. Let me pray. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you that you have been good to us, that you've been gracious with us. We thank you that you have so loved us. Not because we deserve it, but because you just do. In spite of us, you love and Father, we pray tonight that as we worship you, come before you, confess the need in us to sit under the love that you have. We pray that you just really cause our souls to marvel and dance in the truth of your word, that you are love, and that you love us in spite of where we have failed and where we have come short. We will press in as a family, Lord, now on you. We ask that there would not be a single individual that comes away dry, but that it would be a sweet time.
that water would flow fresh, pure, and furiously. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things. Amen.